Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Folks, we're going on grid. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. I got a little news for you. It's the news update on Make It Rain. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Dane. I'm Alex Fasano with your Make It Rain news update. Guys, what a wild week in the NFL. Week 8 is almost over. We got the Steelers polo on. We're rooting hard for Mason Rudolph. Let's go. You said it, Joe. They played under their competition, so I'm a little nervous tonight. But, hey. Let's go Steelers on Monday Night Football. But before we recap some of last night's NFL action, guys, the World Series took a turn. The Astros swept the Nationals in their own ballpark. They won game five, seven to one, and they now lead the series three games to two. Garrett Cole pitched a gem for the Astros. And for the Astros, uh, we got uh, Jordan Alvarez and Carlos Correa homering off of uh, emergency pitcher and starter Joe Ross because Max Scherzer was scratched three and a half hours before the game due to, I believe it was neck nerve or something in his nervous system that wasn't letting him feel right. So he got scratched three and a half hours before the game and it showed Joe Ross could not handle it and the Astros take a three to two lead. Let me see if I can get Garrett Cole's box score up for you. Garrett Cole went seven innings, allowing one earned run, nine strikeouts and two walks. Game five, uh, Game six excuse me, will happen tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. The uh, Nationals head back to Houston for Game 6. It's Justin Verlander for the Astros and Steven Strasburg for the Nationals. Right now, Astros are your one-and-a-half-point favorites. Nationals are point, uh, plus 158 on the money line, and the over-under is 7-and-a-half. So let's see if the Astros can finish it on their home field. But, guys... It's NFL season. Week 8 happened last night. We got some games to highlight. Let's start with San Francisco taking it to the Carolina Panthers. 51-13. to Jimmy G. Garoppolo, 18 of 22, 175 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But the real star was Tevin Coleman rushing 11 times for 105 yards and three touchdowns. He also caught two passes for 13 yards. And another touchdown. That's four total touchdowns for Tevin Coleman. Debo Samuel added two catches for 29 yards and a score as well. But also to note, guys, that San Francisco defense, Dane, you mentioned it before, Nick Bosa, what a stud he is. They had three turnovers that they forced and seven sacks, excuse me, on Kyle Allen. Seven sacks on Kyle Allen. And for Kyle Allen, he only finished with 158 yards and three interceptions. Not a good day. For Kyle Allen, Christian McCaffrey, 14 rushes, 117 yards, and a score. That's about it for the Panthers' side of the ball. Let's jump around here. Let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles taking down the Buffalo Bills, 31-13. to Nobody circles the wagon like the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, 172 yards, one touchdown. Miles Sanders, another good game for him. Three rushes, 74 yards, one touchdown. Jordan Howard had 23 rushes for 96 yards. And a score on the other side for Buffalo. Josh Allen, 169 yards, two touchdowns. Cole Beasley caught one of them, three catches for 41 yards. Devin Singletary had a solid game himself, three rushes for 19 yards, four catches for 30 yards, and a score. Let's go to the New York football giants falling to the Detroit Lions, 31-26. to Lions on top thanks to Matthew Stafford's 342 yards and three touchdowns. 
one interception. But Kenny Galladay, six catches, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. Marvin Hall also had a touchdown for 49 yards. On the other side, Daniel Jones, 322 yards, four touchdowns. That's right, four touchdowns, but they couldn't handle that Detroit defense. Saquon Barkley, 19 attempts for 64 yards. He had eight catches for 79 yards and a score as well. Darius Slayton got involved, two catches for 50 yards and two touchdowns. Guys, the Chicago Bears, I don't know what's the deal with them. They just cannot win when it comes down to kicking. The Chargers took them down 17-16. to Phillip Rivers, 201 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, I don't know what his deal is. 253 yards, one interception, no touchdowns for him. But Eddie Pinheiro missing that 41-yard attempt as time expired is just a heartbreaker for Chicago fans all over the country, myself included. I respect the Chicago Bears. I'd like to see them win, but they can't win on the legs of their kickers. David Montgomery had a solid game, 27 rushes for 135 yards and a score. Uh, Allen Robinson had five catches for 62 yards as well. Let's go to the Houston Texans taking down the Oakland Raiders 27 to 24. Deshaun Watson, 279 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, we got DeAndre Hopkins getting involved, 11 catches for 109 yards. One Derek. of them when he got kicked in the face. He did. I saw that. Was, that was nasty. But hey, at least he didn't kick the ball out, <laughs> Nick Chubb, of his uh, own hands. So, you know, you got <laughs> yeah. the butt fumble, now you got the foot fumble. So <laughs> you got DeAndre Hopkins catching uh, 11 of his 13 targets. Darren Fell, six catches for 58 yards and two touchdowns. On the other side, Derek Carr, 285 yards, three touchdowns. Not a bad day for him and also not a bad day for Tyrell Williams coming back from an injury. Three catches for 91 yards and a score. And Hunter Renfro got his first NFL touchdown, four catches for 88 yards and a score. Let's jump to Sunday Night Football really quick. The Green Bay Packers taking down the Kansas City Chiefs, 31-24. to Aaron Jones. He had 13 rushes for 67 yards, but he had seven catches for 159 yards and two touchdowns. What a day for Green Bay, taking it to the Kansas City Chiefs. And tonight we got Monday Night Football, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Miami Dolphins in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, your 14-point favorites. Miami's plus 580 on the money line. All right, going to send it back to Dane and Joe on McIrene, helping you win some cash this Monday morning. You're listening to the Sports Grid Network. Let it ride! Remember the class where I taught y'all how to make it rain? Make it rain. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. All right, here we go. It is our number two here on Make It Rain on the grid, sportsgrid.com. Uh, Welcome in. And uh, do want to send a big uh, shout out here to Tiger Woods, who made history uh, over the weekend. Didn't Sam hear Snead, that in uh, Fasano's update. I guess uh, the fact that the man has won 82 PGA Tour events, tying him with the legendary Sam Snead there, uh, or Hogan, rather. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy uh, is what it is. And I, we knew he would, at least we thought he would get there for a big proportion of his career, but the injuries and everything else with Tiger – um, bottom line, he won his 82nd tournament championship. And now he says yesterday too, Dane, that he hopes he has it to make the president's you cup. You'll be making your captain's picks next week. And there's been some talk about making yourself a pick. How impactful was Tiger Woods, the player to Tiger Woods, the captain with this win? I think, uh, the player definitely got the captain's attention. <laughs> <laughs> as well as he should too, because he was on fire. Uh, winning this tournament overseas uh, yesterday, but 82, man. I mean, what are you? 
What else is there to compete? I mean, he may never get the Jack's ultimate, but, you know, being number one on tournament wins and number two on majors, yeah, not a bad career for a guy now, is it, in the uh, PGA world? Sure, of course not. I think that major number is the one that's going to matter to him. I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward, you know, Tiger plays a very limited schedule, Joe, but happens to get up for those four big tournaments. Joe, also on Friday, for the first time in my life, Mm -hmm. I parred a hole that was over 400 yards long. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Good shots. Yeah. Just like, Tiger. I'll yeah, take it. just like Tiger. Just like Tiger. That's Winning right. The, now I just uh, need 82 tour wins to match up. 82. First of all, who the hell knew the PGA Tour even started uh, again? But it is in full effect what is in it, Japan. The Zozo Championships, like out in yeah. Japan. No golfer has ever won more PGA Tour events than Tiger Woods, guys. He will never be. And and by the way, ain't nobody even close to this particular uh, point. Nah. 17 would be the next highest number by Rory, but that Rory? he only plays half a year. So, yeah, yeah. and it's going to happen, guys. Oh, this is uh, Haley's Comet, what we're seeing here. So, hope you enjoyed the ride. Take a look at Monday Night Football. We'll do that next. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Another note on the 43-year-old Tiger Woods, by the way, winning a uh, his 82nd PGA Tour victory. Because this was in Japan, if you think he was playing against a bunch of Japanese players, you'd be sadly mistaken. Um, 25 of the top 30 players in the world were in this field. It was loaded with the Rory McIlroy's of the world and the Justin Thomas's and you name it. This was a 43 year old guy who um, beat Hideki Matsuyama by three strokes, Uh, just destroyed this field really. And there was a chance of it heading into the weekend. You're like, will he be able to do it for four days straight? That's the whole thing with tiger, right? He hasn't shot in the sixties in a long time, but my word, that dude just dominated there all four rounds and uh, birdied the 18th hole to actually win it, but it wasn't like he needed it there. He, uh, for 82 wins at the age of 43, and he's still beating the young guys on tour. Yeah, he's still a force, Dan, and I got news for you. Could he repeat at, uh, at the Masters this year? I, why not? If he's healthy and he and I'm with you, I think it's limited. I think he'll right. be around the majors, but I would not shock me at all if he won yet another Masters this year at age 43. No, and this is what we're saying, right, Joe? Like this tournament also, he had he had time to rest up for it, right? To be mm-hmm. to feel good, you know, health-wise, energy-wise, whatever. Right. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to organize his his schedule so that he can be, you know, rested, healed, healthy and ready 
for four specific tournaments all year. Okay, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays only between eight and 12, you know, the four yep. majors and then like the prep week, you know, two tournaments before it or one tournament before it, whatever is his preference. But this goes to show that when he's rested and ready, he, he can still, you know, summon the echoes and make it happen against, as you said, this was no knockoff field. This yeah. had the big boys in it. So this proves he can still hang when he brings his A game. He's just going to have to manage himself to bring his A game at the right times. Yep. And uh, it'll all start. Trust me, April, end of March, beginning of April, that Masters rolls around. He's going to be ready to rock and roll. I can promise you that. Uh, but congratulations, 82. Not going to see sure. anybody like that again, at least in uh, in our lifetime. But uh, pretty impressive stuff. Also last night, pretty impressive is uh, just how cold-blooded Garrett Cole is. Uh, as he, it was hard enough to beat him in game one, or game two rather, almost impossible in, uh, in last night's situation, given the fact that Scherzer went down prior. But a big topic of conversation here before we head into game six, as road teams are 5-0 and in the World Series this year, which is kind of crazy. But... The umpire last night was absolutely abysmal, and he single-handedly cost the Nationals. Uh, it was 2 nothing going into that uh, fourth inning when a strike three was actually delivered to Carrera, and of course the replay and the box and everything else. Uh, he called it a ball, and then, of course, the very next pitch, Carrera takes yard to go 4 nothing, and then 4 nothing against Garrett Cole. The game was over anyway. So, But it happened again in the seventh inning where there was an opportunity for the Nationals. Cole had just walked somebody. He was getting up there in pitches. He once again would have walked the next batter and then possibly been taken out, and they could have gotten to the bullpen a little bit sooner. Instead, in order to make up from what he thought Garrett Cole was a strike, uh, you know, the previous batter, the umpire calls a ball so far out of the zone, like in no world was it ever a strike three. And yet here we go again. And I don't know, Dane. I mean, at what point do we let go of this? Hey, it's the way we've always done it. It's 2019. You got the technology to decide what a strike is, a true strike is, and what it is not. And yet we continue to allow guys who are all over the place, get some right, get some wrong. Uh, you know, when you're talking about a World Series, you hope in theory it all evens out. But most of the time it doesn't. And and stuff like right. that happens last night. So I don't know how much longer before we start going to the you know, you're not getting rid of jobs here. It's not like the, the umpires go away. They're just being fed what's a strike and a ball from a system that can actually determine what a strike and a ball is. You know, I, I'm of two minds of this, Joe. I really am. Part of me does understand the idea of people who love the, the human element of it, right? And knowing that some umps have tighter strike zones than others and, and, and things of that nature. And, you know, we wax poetic about that and get nostalgic about that in baseball, right? So there's a part of me that believes that. I think that part, though, is in the minority because when you look at how technology in all sports, Joe, we got the damn cyclone in tennis, right, in or out if it hits the tape. You know, we got instant replay almost to a fault. You know, in football, we see it in college basketball on, you know, guys in or out. We see it to reset the clock. So why not in the fundamental play 
of baseball. Like, you're never going to take umpires away because you got to see, like, tag plays uh, at bases and things of that nature. But the idea of the robot strike zone, remember, it is being uh, tried out in the independent league, I believe. And the pitcher themselves did not even know it was happening because the human umpire would still actually make the calls, but was just getting, like, buzzed one way or the other if it was a ball or a strike. I still think you even need an ump for things like foul tips you know, for a strike three to see if they got a piece of it, things of that nature. But, you know, when it does, when there is that kind of uh, subjectivity in it, in these big spots, it's not a good look. Yeah, well, and it's also because it's awful because the the technology today allows the guys in the dugout to see it in real time. It allows the fans to see it in real time. And, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't that readily available. So, yeah, you know, it, it was what it was. We just accepted it as part of the game. But technology is changing games all day long. To have a situation where a guy blow four calls, monster calls in a World Series game, like, why Why are we even messing around with it? And you have the technology to do it. Nobody's losing a job because, like you said, you still need the umpires on the field, guys. He's still got to determine check swings and foul balls and safe right. and out, all of that stuff. But if we're, if we're reviewing if a ball is a home run or if a guy is safer out because we want to get the play right, isn't it more important to get the strike zone right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Call me crazy here. I hear you. I think if they did it, they would have to do it in a way, like you said, where it's just the robot umps as opposed to, like, allowing managers to challenge balls and strikes because that would take forever, right? And that would take way too long. But you know what's interesting, Joe? This pass interference that we now have in the NFL, which I never liked, was reactionary to the NFC Championship game. If this seems to be big enough of a spot, game five of the World Series and egregious calls, this may be enough to react to it in a way to add uh, you know, fuel to that fire. I think it would have to be done very carefully. I would have to see how it is really done. But you're right, when they did it in the independent league, no one was the wiser. So, you know, it's possible. It just feels a little weird to me for the age-old pastime of America's game. I I agree. It would take a little getting used to it, but I think ultimately it comes down to that whole, I'd rather it get it called because I don't think anybody's going to argue if a ball or, you know, if a strike three on a pitch that was everybody and their mother can see was a strike three, then you kind of, it it takes the guesswork. And I think even players, let's face it, even players on either end. Yeah. Got to be going, keep it, you know, give me what's a strike, give me, and, and I'm good to go. It'll make it a little bit easier to be able to determine. But uh, you mentioned it, uh, Al Riveron, though, a, a finally yesterday, they overturned a non-call on defensive pass interference. Finally, it happened against T.Y. Hilton yesterday oh, against yeah. the Broncos of all teams. The Broncos finally got called because the guy grabbed T.Y. Hilton on a crossing route, and it kept Hilton from extending his hands and being able to make the catch. Kudos to Frank Wright for having the nerve to actually throw the challenge flag. Um, He is the first uh, coach in more than a month to not waste a red flag challenge when doing the defensive pass interference. So they did call one, Dane, finally. I don't know if that's enough to change it, though. Will, Will guys make that risk anymore? No. No, no, I'm with you. Because the problem is then you ain't got the challenge when you need it later on in the half. Yep. Nope.
And even as egregious as it is, guys are still not calling it. Not wasting the time out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, so with the NBA season underway now, you guys can dunk on your NBA DFS competition using DailyRoto.com. Compete with the pros on FanDuel and DraftKings with the DailyRoto.com optimizer. It is the most accurate projections in NBA DFS. Plus, you'll get lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. You can save 10% now on winning NBA DFS advice. The promo code DUNK. That's visit dailyroto.com forward slash dunk. You can learn more. That's dailyroto.com forward slash dunk. Get your 10% off now. And keep in mind that dailyroto.com is where millionaires are made. And it finally happened yesterday. We finally had a team out charger the Chargers, ladies and gentlemen. Either win it or you lose it. This will be the final play of the game. Snap, hold, kick is wide left. And the Chargers have come to Chicago and beaten the Chicago Bears by a final score of 17 to 16. Cash it. One of the uh, one of the dogs we talked about yesterday on Pro Football Today where it's hard to do, folks. It's almost impossible to do. Out Charger, the damn Chargers, who have lost game after game, six in total, we told you yesterday, six of their losses this year have come from one score, just less than one score, guys. And that usually that one score happened where Phillip Rivers or the offense or somebody did something stupid at the end of the game. Uh, Matt Nagy, congratulations there, my friend, uh, opting to with, I don't know, uh, 40 seconds left on the clock, opting to keep the kick at 41 yards and not right. try to run another play, maybe just get it a couple of inches closer, you know, an extra foot would have been good. Uh, he opts to fall down on it, uh, and, uh, allow Eddie Pinheiro to try a 41 yarder, which by the way. He had missed earlier in the game from around that same distance. Uh, but, nope, he sent them out there to, for the win. And, of course, the Chargers finally, Dane. And, and this is a great reminder. Guys, it is a long-ass football season. When teams to start the season cover at a ridiculous rate where they're 6-1 and one against the spread, 5-2 and two against the spread like the Bills were yesterday. Or right. when you have teams continually lose last possessions or less than a you know less than a score, all of it evens out. When there's going to be regression, guys, and voila, here we go. Chicago has so many problems on this team. Uh, the the countless amount of trips to the red zone that ended up in nothing more than field goal attempts. Um, it was just a Chargers defense that got you know, has been getting gashed week after week, uh, held their own great, great game by, uh, by David Montgomery. We knew he would, they weren't going to have, um, Trubisky throwing 60 times, 
But ultimately, the decisions made by Matt Nagy, the performance by this, um, you know, this quarterback of theirs, I don't know what the organization does at this point, but I think unless you're blind, you've got to realize you've got a quarterback problem right now in the NFL. And I don't know if it's fair because fair or not fair, Dane, Trubisky got picked before Mahomes and others, and he's being, yeah, he's unfairly being compared to them because it really, you know, those guys are surrounded by way different teams with way different coaching staffs. So I don't know that it's fair, but it's a reality. And right now, Chicago Bears fans don't want to hear it. Trubisky's got to go, man. Are you on that page? Sure, I've been on this page for a while. I've been saying it. I said it all last year. Last year, when Trubisky put up six touchdowns, it was kind of putting in my, my eye because I was saying this last year. Joe, you and I both, we were, we, were, we were fading the Bears and the Rams going into this season for this exact reason. I, I don't want to um, almost like have the guy sue me for liable or slander, but I will bring up another name. Joe, that I really believe Mitchell Trubisky is on a very similar trajectory. And the name, Joe, is Blake Bortles. Mm. Um, a high draft pick, right, that one team fell in love with, that early in their career uh, had a great defense take them mm. far in the playoffs, but maybe has some tools and some talent, but is not you know, kind of that dude and a leader of men and understanding how to, you know, play NFL football. And it could set the franchise that drafted them in the top 10 could set them back for years and years to come until they acknowledge that they messed up with their top 10 draft pick. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to do something because I don't know how much longer. And yesterday, I'm not going to blame Trubisky, although it was typical Trubisky. Yesterday after the game, Matt Nagy was asked, you know, hey, man, um, 40 seconds left on the clock. Why right. did did you even think about maybe getting a couple of extra yards for, you know, Pinheiro there? And his answer was, quote, had zero thought of running the ball and not kicking it for fear of fumbling or when the other team knows you're running the football. So you lose three or four yards. And that is exactly the wrong attitude to have, which is why coaching matters so much in the NFL. Dane, when you coach and play not to lose, that's, that's right. exactly what you like do is you lose. And Matt Nagy, you're a loser. All right. That's exactly the problem. That mentality of I don't want to lose is exactly why you lost. And it couldn't happen to a better guy because quite honestly, 19 trips to the red zone. And you kept calling the same stupid ass three plays that even the Chargers defense could actually figure out how to stop. So you got nobody to blame but yourself, my friend. And I think it starts with Matt Nagy. Not as talented as every, you know, we anoint these guys rather quickly. These young guys, oh, they're They're the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they're not. Because it's the old guys that keep winning in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about, like, what's new and sexy. Everybody wants their version of uh, Sean McVay. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. again, Sean McVay got schooled, you know, in uh, in the Super Bowl as well by one of the standard bearers, as we're talking about. You know what I find yeah. interesting? 
you talk about the Bears like not being aggressive and stuff, and that came up, Joe, in another game. That came up in Denver, Indianapolis. You heard Joe Flacco at the podium after the game, literally throwing his team under the bus or his coaching staff, being like, we're a 2-6 and six team. Why aren't we going for it on some of these situations? Like, you know, you give them the ball back anyway. They're going to get it. Getting into field goal range isn't that tough. Joe Flacco said similar things. We're saying similar things about the Chicago Bears. You know, it is interesting. Meanwhile, some of these teams are, you know, going for it on fourth down, even in their own field. I think there is a time right now where you talk about the young guard and the old guard. The the way to play is evolving. Maybe it is a little bit more aggressive. Um, and so some of these teams are just not on that page yet. And it's the chickens are coming home to roost. Yeah, and and you know the the problem with and and listen, Fangio has been in this league a long time as a defensive coordinator, but he's kind of been all over the map on when to go for it and when not right. to go for it. We've watched this guy go for two point conversions left and right for no real rhyme or reason in situations. He went to a, in week two. We went for the win at home. He had a chance to beat the Bears. Remember that? And yeah. then you know everyone. And then all of a sudden yesterday in the game on the road, third and five. And listen. I, you know it's bad when Flacco is making sense about not being aggressive enough on offense. Right. Everything has, has gone hard left in your season. Yeah, like you're a mess at this point. But they did. That defense gave Indianapolis everything they could handle. And, you know, you allowed Vinatieri to kick a 51-yard field goal, which he has not been great. He missed he missed a 40-yarder earlier in the game and an, extra, an extra point. point. Yeah. Left four, you know, left four uh, points on the board there. But 51 yarder in that situation, you just kind of knew he was going to do it. And, you know, that's on you for allowing them to get the ball back and for thinking that your defense in that moment on the road was somehow going to be able to stop them because they didn't. And, you know, they, they moved it down, kicked the field goal, win the game. And we're finding a lot of growing pains. Not And same thing with Kingsbury, too. I mean, how many more times do you have to end up in the red zone and walk away with field goals before you start realizing that we're a two-win, three-win team? It's time for us to start going for it every time until we can be consistent in the red zone. That game was close with Indianapolis. It was a one-score game halfway through the third, but every time they got to the red zone, it was stall or kick a field goal. Like, at some point, you got to just throw caution in the wind, realize we're only going to win three games here, guys, this year, four games. Like, it's time to start going and taking shots and realizing this is how we're going to get better, by going for it and sending a message. And we still got guys, these young coaches all over the place, can't figure out when to do it and when not to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think the critical question there is like, what do you have to lose? And right. if you're two and six, the answer is not a damn thing. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So I think that is the predominant uh, kind of should be the approach, at least in this 2019 NFL. But Joe, hold on, hold on. I have Zane Gonzalez as my fantasy kicker in a lot of leagues. So I'm cool with those Arizona drives stalling and then yeah. letting Zane kick away. I mean, but it's not just one game. Like, every of one of their games, yeah. there has been an issue in the red zone with Cliff yeah. Kingsbury. You know, the offense That's is why great. I trickery and Gonzalez to be yeah. my kicker, Joe. <laughs> it's always, oh, it's it's great when we're doing these end arounds and these flea That's flickers, right. but then you get inside the 20-yard line and none of that crap works because the field's shortened. And then when you go yeah. up against better defenses, you get smacked. So, I don't, at some point, you got to realize 
Yeah, we got to try either A, they abandoned the run game altogether yesterday in that game, by the way. Mm-hmm. Edmonds went out, and then that was it. They didn't They didn't even try to run the ball anymore after that. I so, think Zach Center was only running back on their roster. But that's how you pick pickers in fantasy. Nice and that's how you learn. That's how you learn as a head coach. Like, that's the growing pains works on both sides, guys. Coaching and as a player. Like tonight, Fitzmagic. Are you going to back him? Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. So it's been one hell of a week eight uh, thus far. One more game, of course, uh, tonight uh, in uh, Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh as the Steelers take on the Dolphins. Uh, We'll give you the numbers on that coming up. But a couple other games uh, quickly just to cover we didn't get to. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about this uh, Houston Texans team that unfortunately another big loss uh, to this team as – J.J. Watt out for the year. Now, uh, you know, another torn bicep, torn some pectoral, just whatever it is. They're going to have to go it without J.J. Watt once again, this team, just riddled with injuries throughout his career, unfortunately. But Deshaun Watson, you know, we told you, Deshaun Watson's at his best when he is playing from behind. And sure enough, they found themselves behind and that's when Deshaun Watson does his best work and he did it again yesterday beating the Raiders who listen the Raiders looked good the the Raiders I think delivered way more than people thought they were good uh, offensively they were good defensively they just they could not get stops when they needed to in this game yesterday and unfortunately it allowed the Texans to be able to score that final touchdown but uh, all in all the Texans Continue to win games. Carlos Hyde looked good. Deshaun, but losing J.J. Watt on a defense that was already susceptible to the run a bit, um, it's a big loss. It it really, really is for a Houston Texans team. It is. But at the same time, it's not like they haven't handled this before, Joe. You know, J.J. Watt now at this point, and don't get me wrong, I love everything about J.J. Watt. Great player, great in the community. Like, yes. But at some point, I think you have to realize that, you know, he's not dependable. This is now three years in a row, Joe, where his season will end because of injuries. That when he was that NFL defensive player of the year three times, that was now like a good five years ago, Joe. So wow. I, 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 yes, J.J. Watt is great. But at the same time, I don't know that he is dependable for this defense anymore. And I wonder now how they feel about shipping off Jadavion Clowney to Seattle before the season because they were like, oh, we can't pay him and J.J. Watt. It's too much. Well, J.J. Watt now is gone like usual. Yeah, yeah that, that he is. And, uh, yeah, speaking of Seattle – uh, mm. They did. Uh, they won a half. They uh, obviously went into that game saying 
we are going to run the ball and run the ball they did 33 times in 53 plays. And Chris Carson racked it up. And, of course, they I think the plan for Seattle was let's just go in here, do what we have yep. to do. Let's get the hell out of here yeah, and get nice. back home. Um, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, backdoor cover by Schaub and company who threw for 460 yards. Congratulations, Shorts. Matt Schaub, in a losing effort. But a losing effort that ended up in a cover because of Matt Schaub and his ability to be able to push the uh, the ball downfield. Uh, good win for Seattle. Get the hell out of there. No harm, no foul. Atlanta. What do they do now? Uh, um, By week, are we? I'm shocked we haven't heard him being fired already at this point, Dane. To be honest with you, Dan Quinn. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. And what I'll say from the fantasy standpoint, I want to remind everybody again, what's good for the fantasy team is not good for the real team and mm-hmm. vice versa. The fact that Matt Schaub throws the ball 52 times for 460 yards and Julio can go for 10 for 152, that's good for the fantasy team, represents you having an issue with your real team. Devontae Freeman, again, can't run the ball 13 for yeah. 39, that offensive line still trouble for them you know Joe I don't want to channel our inner Booger McFarlane but there's the thing of like will the key card work for Dan Quinn today right and Mm -hmm. so it didn't work for uh Oh, who was the first coach already Jay fired, Gruden. right? It didn't work in Washington. We're yep. talking smack about New York. We're talking smack about Cleveland. Atlanta's another one. Joe, do you think there will be another in-season move? Or will, you know, Arthur Blank even said, you know, like, I don't know that they're going to do it in-season. Do you, you think they're going to do it, like, this week? Because it is a buy. I, exactly. It is a buy week. And this would be the time. I don't know what message you're sending. If if you do it now, do you trust anybody on that staff to be able to jump in? Arthur Blank's a, an interesting dude, though. He is uh, extremely loyal to a fault. He has been over the years. So if he doesn't, let me let me put it this way. Everyone else is telling Arthur Blank he should. Uh, Arthur Blank is not the kind of guy that does what he is told. So right. would it surprise me? Is there any difference if he's there or they fire him at the end? No. Like, there's there's zero difference. What hope do they have of turning this ship around right now? Right. I don't think not, any. This is not like them needing to get a jump on the new hot coordinator. You know what no. I mean? Or the exactly. college guy. Because yeah. honestly, Joe, the Atlanta job, If it's open, and this is all under the assumption that this is open come Black Monday, right? But honestly, if I'm a hot coach, I'll take the Atlanta job over the Washington job. I'll take it over, like, the Jets job or a Cleveland job or most other jobs that might come. Like, on its face, because we talk about it, right? The talent is there. Um, It's an attractive option. They they would not have to, I think it starts win. higher than the coaching. You, you've got to take a look at the general manager's position yes. as well as the coaching. They have absolutely – they are in cap purgatory, Dane. Sure. They have no room to maneuver for the next two years right. because of all the contracts that they wrote to guys like, oh, Dante I don't know, Matt, Dante Freeman, um, uh, uh, Jared, the, uh, the linebacker on the team, as well as, uh, of course – you know, uh, Julio and company, they have so much money tied up in five players on his team. They have no maneuverability. If I'm a coach, you got, I don't have it. You can't even go out and get anybody unless you dismantle from the top down. And I think that's what Arthur Blank has to decide. 
you just wrote a whole lot of money to a bunch of guys that aren't gelling. They're not producing. What do you want to do here? Because the other alternative, Dane, is to go over the next three to four years and win six, seven games and and not be able to rebuild. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. I think Dan Quinn's the least of their problems right now. They got to take a long look at the general manager writing checks and okay in these deals for five guys that aren't producing. Uh, at least you, you got no room to even go up in a draft. Right. You got no draft. Like you got nothing. Atlanta is dead in the water unless those five guys become all world and make everyone else around them better. And we don't see that happening this year. So here's what I'll say, and that you make a great point, Joe, and that makes me think actually that this is a Black Monday thing even more yes, because it may be head coach and GM, okay? Yep. And if they're going to do that and completely turn the page, they're not going to do that in season, all right? Nope. In my opinion, at least, okay? I don't, and and I, don't, I don't blame them. I, and here's the other point on that one, Joe. Yep. Remember uh, one Dines, of the previous- by the way, great job yesterday. Uh, Matt Stafford also continuing to play at a very high level. The problem is defense, once again, for the Giants, could not get off the field. 8 of 14 on third down. That is what the Lions were. Ultimately, that's what cost them. But look at the positive, guys. Daniel Jones, 322 and four touchdowns. Obviously, Barkley much healthier over there. Uh, Evan Ingram scores another touch. The the Giants have the nucleus, have the teams. Defense is something they're going to have to work on in the offseason, and I'm sure they will. But uh, great job on the road by Danny Dimes yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And you could see the arrows pointing up, right? Like they're going to have Danny Dimes and Saquon, you know, for years to come, right? They need to build up that O-line to protect these guys, and they need to do some things on the defensive side of the ball. Real quick, back on Quinn, though, Joe, remember the the last coach of Atlanta, Shanahan? And you know Mm -hmm. what I've said about them going to San Francisco? When they hired Shanahan and GM John Lynch together on the Mm -hmm. same page, right? And they had a plan. And we're now seeing that plan come to fruition. If Atlanta made a move, maybe they learn from the Niners, wait until the offseason, get a coach and a GM that are, you know, simpatico together and have an actual plan. Well, you had uh, you had yesterday a team go to a backup quarterback that uh, won you the game because the other guy was ineffective. So I don't know how much longer Bruce Arians goes with Jameis Winston at this point and watches him continue to throw the ball to the other team. Four turnovers against the Titans. The Titans moved on from Marcus Mariota. Guys went to Tannehill, and they're a better team for it. I do believe who's backing up. Glennon, is it? A guy that got an awful lot of money. Ryan Griffin. Oh, Ryan Griffin. Lennon is in Oakland. We saw that in Hard Knocks. Yes, that's right. I'm sorry. He's in (laughs) Oakland. But, I mean, at what point do you— Joe. Why? At what point? What do you got to lose? Because right now, Jameis Winston, he, he continues to do exactly what Jameis has done his entire career. It's not working, guys. He continues to throw the ball to the other team. I'm wondering, I mean, Bruce Arians looked fit to be tied on the sidelines yesterday because they did everything in their power to win that game. They should have won that game, but you, you can't when Jameis Winston continues to hand the ball. You can't survive four turnovers, Dane. I don't care who you are. Four turnovers. He had the fumble and two interceptions, nine yeah. penalties for the Bucks as yeah. well. And and let's be real about this, Joe. I saw a lot of this game. The only production, like the only thing they're good in the passing game really is chuck it up to Mike Evans and hope he comes <laughs> down with it. 
And the thing is, he does come down with it a bunch. You know what I mean? So it even makes it look a little bit better. But they're just chucking it up to Mike Evans. Guess what? Johnny Manziel did the same thing at Texas A&M. Chuck it up to Mike Evans. And it worked for Mm -hmm. Johnny Manziel getting into, you know, the the league. And that's what's working for Jameis now, but not a whole lot else. Ryan Griffin, you know, he could be on my kind of like Ryan Finley timeline as well come, uh, come Thanksgiving. Yep, it's um, congratulations to the Titans who once again survived Mike Vrabel, who uh, who thought it would be great to call a uh, fake field goal uh, that was promptly turned uh, returned for a touchdown by the Tampa Bay Bucks. However, it should have been a touchdown. It was returned for a touchdown. Only the refs came back and said, "Yeah, we blew the whistle, so play was dead." Yeah, it shouldn't have been dead. It should have been a touchdown. So, uh, despite Mike Vrabel, the Titans still managed to win that game. And uh, kudos to whoever has uh, Jonu Smith. By the way, Uh, kid is going to be absolutely a stud filling in for Delaney Walker. Congratulations, Tannehill and him seem to have a little something going on, but. Listen, Tannehill's not turning the ball over. Tannehill is doing exactly what, you know, he's been good at his entire career. Don't turn the ball over. Be efficient. Get the ball to playmakers. Uh, what can you, you can't argue with the uh, with the W's for Tennessee right now, but I think Rabel's going to end up costing them in the uh, in the long run because another guy that just can't. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, seriously, yeah. what what are his his time management and clock skills, Dane, are a head scratcher. Yeah, I mean, that is true. But you do see with Ryan Tannehill now, all of a sudden, Jonu Smith, A.J. Brown, you know, some of those weapons looking a little bit better. And what I mentioned to you, Joe, that division, they're going to beat each other up. All four of those teams are 500 or better. So, you know, it's going to be those divisional matchups that decide this uh, AFC South. All right, who are you going with tonight? Pittsburgh, 14 points, my friend, 14. Points they are laying. Do you trust Pittsburgh to cover, or are you going to do what you've always done? Go with Miami. <laughs> I'm I'm going to split the middle, and I'm going to learn from you, Joe. I'm going to learn from you. All right. Here so comes you know the first exactly half. What I'm doing right there. Here it comes. <laughs> are you Are you doing the same thing, Joe? I am. I don't. Uh, I am going go to take the Miami Dolphins in the first half plus seven and a half points. Because what you said, sometimes Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh plays down to the competition and sleepwalks, and then maybe they could flip the switch in the second half. You give me more than a touchdown in that first half, and maybe I'll take it. Miami plus seven and a half, first half. What you say, Joe? I'm going full game. I'm going to take the 14, 14 and a half. Pittsburgh (laughs) two and seven against the spread in their last nine games off a bye. Yeah, I uh, I trust Fitzmagic to backdoor this thing like typical backdoor Fitzmagic. Give me the damn points, full game. I'm going with it, man. Give me Miami. Pittsburgh, if you lose this game, don't even show up to work next. Just sell the team at that point. All right, morning after is next. Dane and I will break it down tomorrow for you. Good luck tonight, guys. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Did you miss me? Here's what you missed on Make It Rain. And I don't there was a big difference with that offense between Teddy Bridgewater, as good as he was. Uh, you know, 4-0, what are you going to do? 
But sure. they are just a notch above that with Drew Brees. I mean, that that's the reason why you start Drew Brees. And maybe, just maybe, this four-week stretch could be the best thing that happened to Drew Brees because now he's going to be a little bit fresher towards the end of the season. Yeah, and, and, and I would also say the same thing, ironically, about Alvin Kamara, Joe. I mean, mm. Lat Murray now for the second week in a row has shown that he's just fine going 21, mm-hmm. 102, and a touchdown. We gave out the over, I think it was 73 and a half for his rushing yards prop yesterday on Pro Football Today. He zooms over that. And to be honest, Joe, remember a couple years ago when you had Alvin Kamara and a strong Mark Ingram and how dangerous they were, you know, Lat Murray looks just like Mark Ingram in this role. So you're right. The idea that Breeze is back. Now, don't get me wrong. Teddy Bridgewater was undefeated, so you can't go much better than that, right? But the offense looks better. He throws for 373 yards. There are no t- sacks, you know, in the game. I think they had no penalties, Joe. I, or, or only two penalties all yep. game. Okay, so this is, you know, what it looks like under Drew Brees. And I think you're right. The idea of the dressing in disguise, especially for a quarterback in his late 30s to be fresh. And I also think they are growing in confidence, Joe, in what Lat Murray can offer in the run game. You know what Kamara has as the kind of, you know, lightning side of it. But they got a legit thunder side of it in Lat Murray as well. The Saints have to be considered along with, I guess, the Packers and the 49ers as the top tier of the NFL. Yeah, it's and that defense too just continues to make big play after big play. They have a huge home field advantage there, guys in uh, in the Mercedes Dome in New Orleans. Uh, you, if you're a Saints fan, you got to be. This is the best team by far that you have had in in many, many, many years, uh, including maybe even that Super Bowl team that you had there. This team is balanced. This team has defense. This team has special teams. Well coached. And of course, you got Drew Brees now, who gets a week off this week in a bye week, which gives him even more time now to heal up here and get ready for a second half push coming back in week 10. Things are lining up finally for the New Orleans uh, Saints. Uh, The Arizona Cardinals, eh. I think Tyler Murray has got a great future ahead of him, but that team is just, that's not a good team. uh, The Saints host the Atlanta Falcons after their bye.